Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And a good Sunday morning to you. Welcome to this edition of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. And it's an open line show. Dr. David Hilden is back with us. Good morning. Good morning, Danny. I hope I, I don't sneeze on you. No, I, I know you've been around a lot of ill people. I have been around the old people. You know, and and uh, yeah, it's it's flu season. Yeah. It has hit big time. It hit at our house with my Did wife. And, Are you feeling uh, okay? Well, yeah. <laughs> it's like I think I think you and Dennis and I we're we're all in the studio here. We're all doing okay. What did I my was, dad used to say? I, how do you feel, Dad? Well, I don't. I ain't buying any green bananas. <laughs> <laughs> I know that is a funny. I heard that line. That made me laugh a long time. Was. <laughs> You know, you don't like it when your doctor suggests that you don't buy any green right, bananas. Exactly. I was sneezing on the way into work today. Like about every time I hit a mile marker on Interstate 35W, I sneezed again. I think that was more um, but d- you, dust in my car. I was going to say you and I deal with year-round allergies, I yeah, think. So I, I think that was it. So I've sneezed about 35 times this morning in the last half hour. Oh, but boy. It's better since I got here to the studio, so that's a good thing. And that's unusual. <laughs> yeah, that is unusual. Place. The studio is is the cleaner place nasty. to be. But no, it, you're, you were right when you mentioned influenza. Uh, um, for people here in the upper Midwest, and I think this is holding throughout the country, uh, influenza is widespread. And and when the public health officials declare it widespread, it means it, yeah. it's kind of what it sounds. It's all over the state. It's in a, uh, a, a, a most of the counties and uh, in, in uh, high prevalence. I know at our hospital alone, at HCMC, we've seen an, an, a, a large number of people with influenza um, who had to be hospitalized. I think there were something like three, 400 people, don't quote me on that, but something like 300 people in last week alone hospitalized in Minnesota wow. for influenza. And for everyone who's hospitalized, there's another whole bunch who weren't there staying home. And so, uh, it's a, it's a big deal. Um, the thing to know about influenza is that for most people, it's a horrible few days. It's a miserable few days, but you're going to, pull through and you're going to, you know, so if you have a high fever, a cough, cough is the hallmark, cough, fever, muscle aches. Those are, that's like the trifecta of yuckiness. And if you have those and you're otherwise okay, you're breathing okay, you're coughing, but you're breathing okay. And you're, you're not a small child or you're not really an older person um, who's frail. You, you can stay home and you can, you know, Cover your cough, drink lots of fluids. There is actual medical science that chicken soup does something. Does. Yeah, there's a, there was a medical study, a real deal study, um, that people who ate chicken soup at least reported feeling better. Whether or not they were, they reported feeling better. So what the heck, I would try some chicken soup. And you should only go into your doctor's clinic because – uh, uh, if if you have other medical problems, you're asthmatic, you've got lung disease, heart disease, diabetic should think about it. If you're a cancer patient, if you're very old, nursing home residents for sure, or if you're young children, influenza is more serious for them. Or if you're anybody and you're having shortness of breath, you just can't breathe very well, you should go in and consider um, uh, being checked out. I know we're going to get a text or a call about the, that and I'm thinking of the people who are ill now. 
uh, who never did get a flu shot. When when is like the cutoff? Is it still yeah. time? There's not really an official one. It's getting yeah. late. Um, yeah. uh, you can get it still this month. You can even get it into February. Uh, it's going to have less effect because we're in the we're, it, it's like Black Friday in the Christmas shopping season. Sure. We're in the we don't know what the peak is, but we know that that we've got. Um, if you uh, we're in the high high prevalence time and how long this peak will last is anybody's guess. It's usually peaks in later January in Minnesota, but it peaked in late December in early January. I shouldn't even say it peaked. We don't know if we've right. hit, we're going up the hill still in number of cases. If you're interested in a lot more, the Minnesota Department of Health is one of the premier public health departments in the country. We should be proud of that up here in the upper Midwest. You go to the Minnesota Department of Health, MDH, for those of us in medicine. Go to the MDH site and you can get all – go to their influenza stats page and you can learn a lot more about it. It's not too late. That's the message. Okay. Um, uh, still go out there and get it if you haven't had it done yet. All right. Let's uh, invite our listeners to join in. It's an open line show if you're just joining us. Uh, you can call in or text in 651-989-9226. There is a line open if you want to use it. 651-989-9226, or send us a text, 81807. We're already getting those, 81807. Yeah, before we go to the phone, somebody is commenting about long-term care. This one says, uh, here's a text message that's on topic. It says, thanks for the great show. I work in a long-term care, you know, a nursing home or a long-term care facility, and we have identified numerous residents with influenza A. I have also been diagnosed with influenza. So thank you to this person. That is what we are seeing as well. People are in nursing homes, long-term care residents, group homes, um, you know, group living situations. Um, you're a little bit more vulnerable than everybody else because one person gets it and this thing's contagious. The influenza virus can live on a surface for a good day. It can. Yeah, like a, wow. you know, anywhere from several hours to 24. It's not going to live on your doorknob or your computer screen for a week. But if you cough into your hand and then you touch a phone or a computer screen or a doorknob, that virus can live outside the human body for 24 hours. Wow. So the next person who touches that doorknob and then scratches their nose, there you go. That's how it gets transmitted. Ironically, I read this and I don't know why this is. Influenza doesn't last as long on the human hand. So uh, it doesn't. It, it, there's something about non-porous surfaces like plastic and metal of our mm-hmm. life that it stays on longer than the human hand. But it's living on your hand as well. So so use the use the alcohol gels. Do that. Wash your hands. Do all that stuff. All that. Stuff. Yeah. And here's another texture that's coming in right now. As long as we're on the topic, our local DHS official in Candy, Ojai County, said the flu shot this year is only 34 percent effective. Is that true? Um, that could be. It's too soon to say how effective the influenza vaccine is. Um, many years, it's 50 to 60% effective, and that sounds like, wow, that's like flipping a coin. Well, 50% of thousands of cases is still thousands of people who didn't get influenza. Yes. So um, it could well, we won't know until the end of the flu season how effective the vaccine was. If it turns out to be 30 to 40% effective, that's still thousands of people who didn't get the flu because they got the vaccine. There's an old expression in medicine, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Just because something's not perfect, and the influenza vaccine is certainly not perfect, it's still pretty good. So um, I would still get your flu shot. But that that texter, um, you're probably right. Um, it's not 100% effective. 651-989-9226. We're going to go to the phones now. Or send a text, 81807. Janice is calling from New Hope. Janice, you're on CCO. Good morning. Yes, I was just diagnosed with... 
through another clinic for hepatitis C. Can you tell me what my long-term, uh, well, what I have to do to get cured? Yeah, good question, Janice. And a lot of it depends on how, A, long you've had it, and even more importantly, B, how much damage it's done to your liver. So hepatitis C is one of many, many, many subtypes of viruses. It's a virus that that goes after people's liver. Hepatitis C is is obtained um, uh, through uh, uh, blood products, body fluids, things like that. And um, it's very common and, and it tends to in some people but not all. In some people, it leads to liver scarring and fibrosis in a condition we call cirrhosis. If you're, if hepatitis leads to cirrhosis or if you already have cirrhosis, like a hardening of the liver, then it, um, that's getting pretty advanced. Many people have not advanced to that stage yet. And so the, there's, this is the good news story of the last five years in medicine. Maybe the best news story is that the treatments for hepatitis C are outstanding. In the past, we had pretty good treatments, but pretty good is all I can say. Now they're outstanding. There is a medicines you can take. They're called um, direct antivirals, and they work. Um, uh, one of them you may have heard of. I'll just use a brand name. I try not to use too many brand names, but Harvoni is one of the brand names. And that one works in well over 90% of the people, and it literally gets rid of the virus once and for all. And then you'll never progress to liver cirrhosis. So the outlook is dependent on if if you have cirrhosis or not and whether you get it treated. So, Janice, go get it treated. The medications are expensive. I do have to say that. But it's covered by most plans now, and it's highly effective with relatively few side effects. So your outlook is outstanding, especially if you get treated. Very good. Uh, text number is 81807. Uh, but I know we're going to have a special guest. We are going to have a special guest. And before we do that, um, I'm going to await the call of Dr. Usma Samadani. She is one of um, the nation's leading neurosurgery researchers. She's a neurosurgeon, so yes, she operates on your brain and your spinal cord. And Dr. Samadani is also one of the nation's leading researchers into brain injury. And she has long been studying research on traumatic brain injury and specifically has done some work with football players. And I, a couple of you maybe have heard. I don't know if you guys here in the studio have. There's a football game yeah. coming up in downtown the Minneapolis big, big in a, game, in a few weeks. There's a big game, and I'm not talking about my old high school. The Super Bowl is coming on February 4th, and since HCMC is across the street from the Super Bowl, and since we are one of the country's leading centers for brain injury research, and since we have on our staff Dr. Samadani, one of the leading researchers into brain injury, we thought we'd do an event about it. And so we have invited Dr. Samadani to call in, um, and um, we will talk to her during the show. So if you're interested yeah. in brain injury, I don't know if um, – should we do that now? or should Let's we take gonna, a break, we're gonna and do the we'll break. invite uh, Dr. Samadani right after the break. Sounds good. That's coming up in just a moment. So stay with us. It's an open line show today. Few clouds, our CCO temperature reading 12 above. We'll be right back. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. It's an open line show today with Dr. David Hilden. Your questions, either by phone or by text. And before we do get back to those uh, questions, uh, doctor, either by phone or by text, I know we have a special guest who's been uh, with us before. And who, who's... Uh, so, so on the phone, I have Dr. Usma Samadani. Um, uh, Dr. Samadani, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Good morning. 
Thanks for being on with us, Usma. Now, Dr. Samadani has been on the show before. She's been here in the studio and will likely be doing that in the future as well. But a big event is coming up with the Super Bowl. And in conjunction with that, there's another event on January 31st called Super Brain. Can you tell us about it, Dr. Samadani? Yes, uh, we are very excited about this event. Basically, it's the Hennepin County Medical Center's Hennepin Health Foundation that has teamed up with the NFL Alumni Association, with KFAN, and with Fallon, which is the uh, large advertising agency, to uh, sort of come together and organize this event called Super Brain. And the purpose of the event is to raise awareness about the chronic effects of neurotrauma and also to raise research funding for uh, our uh, laboratory to investigate factors that um, that will distinguish between those players who are at higher risk and those players who are at lesser risk so that we can exploit the differences and use those differences to create treatments for chronic effects of neurotrauma. So are you trying to say that all football players are not at the same risk of, of brain trauma? I, I'm talking about football players specifically. Correct. So what we understand, you know, and it, it's probably the easiest way to explain the situation is to look at the Manning brothers, right? So you've got Eli Manning, you've got Peyton Manning, and you've got Cooper Manning. So you've got three brothers, right? Mm-hmm. And two of them ended up having cervical spine disease, right? They ended up having um, neck problems that required surgery. But it wasn't, ironically, the two that played football. It was one brother that played football, Peyton, and one brother that did not play football. It was Cooper. So, you know, it would be easy to say, well, football contributed to Peyton's neck problem, but you don't know that. It might have been just genetics or bad luck. Um, And so by studying these kinds of factors when it comes to football players, you can identify um, the genes or the alleles that predispose to risk. And if you identify those genes, so for example, I'll just throw out one gene that's been identified. It's called um, COMT or catechol-O-methyltransferase. And what it does is it turns over neurotransmitters in your brain. And suppose you figure out that that's a gene that's different between people who go on to develop uh, chronic effects of neurotrauma and people who do not. What you can do is you can provide those neurotransmitters in medication form to Mm. people who've been exposed to neurotrauma and help them get better so that they don't go on to develop the chronic effects. And, and that's the goal of our work, is to identify targets that can be therapeutic for brain injury to prevent chronic effects of neurotrauma. So that years down the road, the, the football players or others, and that can be generalized into the whole population, that others won't have um, long-term brain damage. That's fascinating. So what about the – you're doing an event that's, that's um, with uh, Ben Utecht. Many people will know him, and you and both he are going to be speaking and, and at the event on the 31st. Could you say more about that? Yes. Um, so Ben Utecht has written a book about his recovery from brain injury. He was uh, a player. He played in the Super Bowl, actually. I think their team won when he was with the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, me thinks he has, he has a, a ring on his finger from the Indianapolis Colts game. Yep. <laughs> yes. So so he's actually, and he's. I think he's a former gopher as well before that. So he, uh, he has Minnesota ties, and they're very strong ties. But uh, Ben is a very eloquent speaker, so he will be there. Um, we've also got Corey Kosky plans to be there. So Corey Kosky is a major league baseball player who retired due to concussions um, and is now a powerful advocate 
for understanding and the nature of brain injury. So one of the things that happened to Corey is that when he was diagnosed with a concussion, it actually turned out that his was due to a neck injury and not necessarily a physiologic brain injury per se. And one of the goals of our lab is to better classify the nature of the injury so that people are not misdiagnosed. Because if you can look at what we call multimodal assessment at different objective measures for injury, then it's easier to figure out what exactly is wrong. So we combine different measures. And the whole goal of our lab is to try and classify the injury acutely and chronically. And that's what we're trying to do with this work. That's fascinating. So what you're trying to say is that some of it might be hitting the head on top, but other other problems might be due to neck strength. And so theoretically, we could focus on mechanisms of injury around the neck as opposed to higher up in the head. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Um, about a fifth of people who get hit in the head and believe themselves to have a brain injury actually have the, those exact brain injury symptoms, but they're due to a neck injury. Because you can have a neck spasm that causes pain and headache and dizziness and even cranial nerve palsies. Um, you know, even weaknesses of the nerves that go to different parts of the face and eyes and and ears um, just from a neck injury. So it's it's actually pretty dramatic the the impact. There's a there's a foundation called Headway Foundation um, that supports NCAA athletes with concussion, and they've also created um, they they also have a, a a lot of literature about the different types of concussion and one of their one of their founding members had a, a neck injury that was a concussion as well. So Superbrain 2018 is on January 31st. And for listeners out there, many of you remember Ben Utecht from his Minnesota years and from the NFL years. And I personally, and many of you know Corey Kosky, I've seen him play all kinds of times. And Dr. Samadani will be there as well. The, um, they are heading up Superbrain 2018, which is on January 31st. So if you're a lover of the game, um, maybe you just want to, maybe you're a lover of protecting brains. Um, and if you want to support critical research like this, this is real world research that's, that could affect athletes, student athletes, and members of the public for decades to come. Dr. Samadani, thanks for being on. Thanks for helping us out. Thanks for your important work. And, um, if people want more information about Superbrain, the website is superbrain2018.org. And so, uh, Dr. Samadani, thanks for being on the show with us. Absolutely. My pleasure, Dave. Very good. And we're going to be opening up the phone lines and text line once again for the remainder of the show uh, for your general health questions. It is an open line show, 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Let's get to, I know some folks have been waiting on the line quite a while, and then we'll pick up on some text messages as well. Catherine is calling from Blaine. Catherine, what's your question, please? Good morning, guys. I love your show. Thank you. Uh, I, you're welcome. I have a question about COPD. What kind of exercises can you do for it for advanced COPD? Is there anything you can do for that to to increase your lung capacity? That's a great question. And because um, exercise is always a good thing for darn near everybody, even you, Danny. Even you. <laughs> <laughs> you're looking at me while you're saying that. <laughs> 
Um, but in all seriousness, but the problem with COPD is you have trouble catching your breath. So how do you exercise? So that's a really good question because you want to be more active and yet you get shorter breath when you do, but you know that it's going to be good for your lungs if you do. The first thing I would recommend is talk to your pulmonologist and see if you have access to a pulmonary exercise lab. They can do a cardiopulmonary assessment. I think most of them put you on like a stationary bike with arm handles and they can they can see how you're doing. That's the first thing I would do to kind of assess your your where you are and then get some recommendations to what to what to do next. My general advice beyond that is to do the exercises that feel like you're pushing yourself a little bit but not where you're getting blue in the face. So in other words, if you're pretty sedentary, Try a very small amount of walking and just kind of taking good deep breaths in um, and, and don't do things that are getting you really, really short of breath because in COPD, if you get really short of breath, um, it's not good. You're not going to have enough um, oxygen in your blood. So um, as for specific exercises, I can't. I couldn't be, I couldn't say that. Are you, can you walk? Can you run? Can you work on a treadmill? It's different for every single person, but use your own, um, sense of well-being as a gauge. If you are huffing and puffing, that's doing too much. All right. I know we have the, thanks, Catherine. I know we have to take a break here in about a minute or so, but maybe we can grab this one text message and, uh, and then the f- follow up on the uh, rest of the calls. Absolutely. Next half hour. This one says, I'm a female in my mid forties and living alone. Occasionally I wake up not breathing with a headache. Is this sleep apnea? How do I get tested? Is it curable? Um, it could, it could well be sleep apnea. If you are waking up from sleep and you're short of breath. Um, that could well be sleep apnea. Sleep apnea, hap- that happens to people with obstructive sleep apnea many times, dozens, even hundred times a night. Not enough so they wake all the way up, but so their body is gets up enough so they're not getting enough oxygen. If the apnea, which just means cessation of breathing, that's what apnea is. You stop breathing for a period of time. If it's enough to wake you up short of breath, that could well be something you should have looked at. I'd come down to the Minnesota Regional Sleep Disorder Center, which is a mouthful for the sleep center at HCMC. That's where I'd go. I'd recommend that to my family. That's where I'd recommend anybody go. Um, the HCMC Sleep Center are simply experts at this. Um, you, if you want to get a hold of them, it's 612-873-MYMD is the number. But you can go to other certified sleep centers as well. You don't have to just be at our own place. That's, a great That's what I would center. recommend. That is a great one. All right, I tell you what, Doctor, we have to take a break. As usual, we have another half hour of the show to go, so stay with us. Right now, it's 12 above zero here in the Twin Cities. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And good morning. Welcome to this portion of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. It's an open line show today. That means your questions by phone or by text and you'll drive the show. And we do have, as you can see, Dr. Hilden, uh, a bunch of both. So let's let's pick on some folks here who uh, have been waiting quite a while on the uh, phone. And then we'll get some text. Dee in Minnetonka is uh, next. Dee, what is your question, please? Uh, good morning. morning. I am wondering if Dr. Hilden would tell me what is about, how, how, what causes it, who gets it, and how is it treated? Yeah, um, thanks for your call and for waiting for so long on hold, D. Um, gout is a type of, um, a rheumatologic illness. It usually presents as an arthritis. Um, it's caused by little crystals called, um, uric. They're made from uric acid. And, and uric acid is a natural product of digestion. So when you eat foods, 
it gets broken down into lots of substances and one of them is uric acid and that happens to all of us. We all have uric acid. But in some people, that uric acid builds up in the bloodstream and it forms these little crystals and this might sound kind of nerdy, but when in medical school and in, if you're a laboratory person, if you look at the crystals under a microscope, they're quite pretty. They're yellow and they look like little frost on a window, but they're not pretty when they get into your joints. And so what happens is those crystals build up in your joints and they cause a great deal of pain. Um, it, it, in fact, some people say the, it, it's like really painful for a few days and then it often gets better. But some people who have high uric acid levels in your, in your body, it can come back over and over and over. The most common place is in the big toe, believe it or not. So if you get a big, swollen, red, warm, big toe, that could be gout. But it could be any joint. It can be other joints of your feet, your hands, your elbow, your knees can be all over the place. And um, the treatment is in anti-inflammatory medications, and they're very effective. They can make they can make you feel better in just a day or two, and then it usually goes away. For people who for whom it comes back over and over again, um, those people are often put on a daily medicine, a what we call a suppressive or a prophylactic medicine, and these are effective as well. They lower the uric acid levels in your bloodstream on a daily basis. In a, in an effort to prevent those joint flare-ups, so if you, um, what we often tell people who get gout is to avoid some foods. There are some meats you should avoid. Some beer apparently has a is a problem. Um, but there, if you if you just Google online about what are some of the foods to avoid if you have gout, that that can help because you, some foods contain more uric acid than others. So that's kind of in a nutshell. If you're having recurrent gout, in other words, flare-ups in your joints over and over again, I would see a rheumatologist or at least your primary care doctor to get on one of the preventive medications. They are all pretty effective. Thank you, Dee. Uh, Let's go back to the phones. Charles is calling from St. Cloud with a question. Charles, you're on CCO with the doctor. Yes. Got a a couple questions. The more I'm listening to this, the more my mind works on it. Okay, Charles. What causes when you have a knee replacement, per se, and somebody I know did not do antibiotics when they had some dental work done, and it caused that knee to get all messed up and they had to replace it? Yeah, so I, you, your, first, your first question, so you want to know how do they get infected? Is that the question, Charles? Well, what causes... Whatever causes it, you've got to take antibiotic just to have a tooth repair. Yeah, I, I got you. So first of all, um, in the past, um, we thought that your teeth were, the, uh, were a, a danger if they got infected for uh, lots of different things, heart valves and knee replacements and the like. And so in the past, we gave antibiotics for darn near anything when you had your teeth done. That is no longer what we do. Um, we don't routinely give antibiotics. On the other hand, Charles, you are onto something that when you have an artificial knee, you, you really want to avoid having that get infected because it's metal. And you get metal infected in your knee, the solution is to remove it. And we don't want to do that if we can avoid it. So we really do like to prevent infections. Um, there is not a current guideline, however, that all people who, that who have had artificial knees need to get antibiotics when they have dental work. But if you're having a, a surgery, and we always give some antibiotics around that time, 
And if you're having a big dental job done, you might want to consider getting some antibiotics then if you have an artificial need to protect it. Routine dental cleanings, routine stuff, you don't need that at all. But if you're having major surgery in your mouth, um, you should probably get antibiotics in that case. Um, it's all to prevent these knees from getting infected. But in general, it's a sterile place where your knee is. Um, it's not particularly vulnerable just for usual dental work. So that's um, – but it, it is possible. Um, if you have know somebody who got a knee infected after dental surgery, that's possible. Um, that, that really could have happened. Was there another question, Charles? Well, on that same thing, this gentleman – you know, he was he was given a piece of paper that said, "Do that." He did not read that chapter in the paper, and he did not. Yeah, yeah. And he ended up to have that knee it had to be replaced. He was in the hospital for seven months. That also is believable. Um, I've seen people in and out of the hospital or like literally in the hospital for months on end with joint – that's called a septic joint and it is not an insignificant problem. And in fact, it's a serious problem. So the guy that you know, I've seen cases similar to that. Whether or not the – you know, in, in hindsight is, is the old hindsight is twenty twenty. We can see perfectly in reverse – Whoa, wouldn't it, wouldn't it have been great to had he gotten some antibiotics around the time of the dental surgery? In his case, probably, yeah. Um, but um, uh, for minor dental stuff, people don't have to worry so much. But if you, if you really are having a, a dentist or an oral surgeon um, working on your mouth, most of them will probably give you antibiotics anyway. But it, it brings up a good point. Read the instructions yes. from your doctors. Um, sometimes we inundate people with too much paper. You get five pages of paper and there's three sentences on page four that say get antibiotics. And it's hard. we should be verbally telling people that as well. Texter uh, wants to know, and then I hope we have to take a quick break. Can influenza become pneumonia? Emphatically, yes. Um, um, in fact, the, one of the biggest um, problems with influenza is not the first case of the viral flu that you get because influenza is a virus. Most people get better from that virus, but some people about five to ten days later get what we call a secondary pneumonia, which can be very serious. And that secondary pneumonia is bacterial. That requires antibiotics. So very much so, yes, there is a secondary pneumonia that happens after influenza in a minority of people. That's one of the reasons we want to avoid getting influenza in the first place so you don't get us more serious pneumonia afterwards. Have you heard of if a hiatal hernia surgery is serious? No, not usually. A hiatal hernia is where a portion of your intestinal tract is sliding in and out of your chest cavity through your diaphragm. Um, it's not like having a ingrown toenail removed. It's something inside your chest cavity or your belly. But it's um, uh, uh, is it serious? I always say every surgery that a person is having is serious to the person who's having it. So for you, yes. But is it something that's kind of weird or experimental or really, really challenging? It isn't for the surgeon. Okay. Um, they do these all the time. All right, let's take a quick break here, and, and uh, we'll have more callers and more texters straight ahead on this open line show on Healthy Matters. Right now in the Twin Cities, partly cloudy skies. We've moved up to 19 degrees, and that is above zero. We'll be right back. 
And welcome back to this portion of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. It's an open line show today, meaning uh, your phone calls and text messages. I want to mention real fast, Doctor, next week is going to be a very another interesting show. What are we going to be talking about? We're going to be talking about migraine headaches next week oh, with yeah. a neurologist from HCMC. We've done a lot of open line shows in the last few weeks. Now we're going to get to a few topics that have been of interest to people. So good. headache sufferers, listen next week. Very good. Alan is calling from New Ulm, Minnesota. Alan, thanks for waiting. What's your question? Uh, how effective are uh, medications for uh, memory matters? Yeah, um, Alan, they're mildly effective. Um, there is some evidence that these are medicines that people take when you're slowly losing your memory a little bit, maybe some early dementia kind of things. There is some evidence that they help a little bit for a time. Um, I'm trying to – I don't want to oversell them. You're not going to take these pills and then and then suddenly thinking clearly and, and stopping, you know, stopping to forget where your keys are. But they might help a little bit for a year or two. Um, so it, it, if, if you or a loved one or somebody you know is, is losing some memory and it's not real serious um, yet, uh, it, it might be worth asking your neurologist um, or your primary care doctor. Um, their, their side effects are relatively mild. Um, there can be some lightheadedness, some dizziness. But it might help a little bit. Um, other people might notice that it helps you a little bit um, than the person actually taking them. They might say, yeah, so-and-so is, it doesn't seem to be as um, forgetful as they used to be. But it's not a miracle. It's not a miraculous thing. They help a little. All right. Thanks, Alan. Thanks for waiting. John is calling from Bloomington with a question. John, you're on with Dr. Hilden. Yeah, good morning. Um, I had just woken up, caught your discussion on hep C. Uh, it was unclear to me as to how you avoid contacting hep C. Yeah, great question, John. It is it is always from body fluids of some kind. The um the, the more common ones are um, blood transfusions from decades ago. People in the seventies and eighties before we checked for it. That's one way. You can get it sexually. It is less, a little less common, but if, if one sexual partner has hep C and the other does not, that is a risk factor. You can get it that way. And um, people who use um, uh, uh, illicit drugs intravenously is a very common way. So sharing needles is a way to get it. And then like healthcare workers or other people who are around blood. Um, you know, a, a dentist can get it. A teacher who's got a kid, well, you know, little kids usually don't have hep C, but, but you know, if you are, you know, peace officers, firefighters, anybody who is around blood products and it gets in your skin somehow, it gets in your mouth, it splashes in your eye, those are ways to get it. So it has to be on exposure usually to other, always to another person's body fluids. That's how you get it. All right. Thank you, John. And, and I do want to say- yeah. Almost nobody. I haven't heard of a case of getting it from a blood transfusion anymore. I, 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 don't, I don't want people to be nervous about blood transfusions. I'm talking about during the Carter administration in early the 70s. All right. It, the blood supply is very safe now. Uh, we'll grab some text in a moment, but Mary in St. Paul has been waiting to ask you a question. Go ahead, Mary. Thank you. Thank you for having this program, CCO and Hennepin County and Dr. My husband was diagnosed with geoblastoma, brain cancer, and he just recently passed. And he went through 15 radiation treatments, and we still lost him. And I'll hang up and listen, but is it 
Where does it come from? Where does it come from? Thank you. Yeah, Mary, um, first of all, thank you for calling in. And I am really sorry about the loss of your husband. I, I, truly, my condolences to you. Uh, glioblastoma is a rough one, um, in all honesty. It is what John McCain has. Senator mm. McCain has that. Um, and uh, it is a brain tumor that we can't figure out why some people have. So what is the cause? I wish I could tell you. Like if you avoided this or if you had avoided that. I don't have any answers for that. I, maybe some researchers do, but I personally don't. And one of the things I've learned through the years of practicing medicine is not to say things that I don't know. And so I don't know what that's from. Um, uh, the uh, the outlook is not, as you have found, Mary, not great. Um, the the life expectancy with glioblastoma is measured in in months, you know, or a year or two, maybe. Um, is is typical, and um, uh, radiation and chemotherapy are the are the treatments in it. Almost those treatments usually just knock it down. They are not known to make it go away permanently. So, um, what causes it? That at least to me is not clear. I don't know what causes glioblastoma. But um, to you, Mary, um, again, uh, best wishes to you, and I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you, Mary. A uh, texter wants, is interested in the new shingles shot, and when do you think it will be available, and should they wait for those new shots? There is, is there a new shot? I'm not aware of it. Um, uh, um, shingle shot is a good idea because shingles are a drag um, um, and really painful for some people. So if you're over the age of 60, I would strongly consider a shingle shot. I wouldn't wait for the new one. The old one was effective, and frankly, I'm not aware of what the new one is, but that could just be me um, that <laughs> I haven't um, – uh, that I haven't learned about it. Somebody asked a text about why does the flu seem to be around only in the winter? That's a good question, yeah. and it is the truth. It is almost always in the winter. Um, it's probably a lot of factors. One, the virus lives in drier air a little better, and it's drier in the winter. Two, we're inside a lot more. We're not running around Lake Harriet and other places outside, so we're in enclosed places far more. We're touching other people's um, uh, germs a little bit more. And the virus simply is thought to live Longer in that in that time, and it could be something about the host yourself. The, that maybe your mucous membranes are drier, and it just it's uh, it gets in that way. So there's lots of factors, but it is a winter thing almost exclusively. Um, what else we talk about in here? Let's see. There's a lot more other text messages. Let's see. I'm sorry about that. Here's somebody who's experiencing constipation the last two weeks. Miralax helps some, but causes stomach discomfort. Experienced diarrhea over the last 24 hours and have been feeling bloated. Last colonoscopy was 10 years ago. Anything I can do for relief? Yeah, you know, I would add fiber to your diet. A daily prune juice is a good idea. Um, uh, a daily Miralax is okay, or you can try something called Senna, which is a gentle laxative. I would start with non-laxatives. I'd start with fiber, either a tablet or more prunes or prune juice or more fiber in your diet, whole brand, things like that. If that doesn't work, make sure you're increasing the amount of fluids in your body to prevent constipation. Then go to something like Miralax or the other um, laxatives. And if you're having any problems that are new to you, brand new, lots of diarrhea, blood in your stool, mucus in your stool, yes, do go in and have that looked at. You might need a colonoscopy. Well, for those that maybe joined us a little bit late earlier in the show, we had uh, Dr. Samadani on, and maybe we could uh, briefly tell what's going on. Yeah, thanks, Danny. Dr. Usman Samadani was on in the first half of the show to talk about Super Brain 2018. That is on January 31st, and it is an event in downtown Minneapolis to promote research in brain injury, which HCMC and Dr. Samadani do. Both Corey Kosky from the Twins and uh, Ben Utek from the Indianapolis will be there to speak. Go to superbrain2018.com. Dot org 
and um, to learn more about it. Many people maybe don't know that some of the world's, not the states, not the countries, the world's leading brain injury research happens at 8th and Park in downtown Minneapolis at HCMC. Dr. Usma Samadani and her, her team at her lab are doing incredible research in neck and head injury, traumatic brain injury, and that's research that's going to help the future of uh, trying to, to promote safety in athletics and in general life. So superbrain2018.org is where you go for more information about that one. And we had a huge show, a lot of interest uh, about arthritis. And where can uh, people find uh, podcasts, things like that? Yeah, thanks, Denny. Um, uh, in early December, we had one of our bigger shows, and it was about arthritis. Go to our website to learn more from Dr. Rawad Nasser about your arthritis questions. We answer questions that we didn't get to on the show. So you go to healthymatters.org. That's the site you should go to every week, healthymatters.org. You can read about that one. You can read about any of the previous posts, and you can listen to previous shows on your computer or your phone by clicking on the Listen to Podcasts link. It's healthymatters.org. Oh, I'm sorry, My Healthy Matters. Don't forget the word my in front of it, myhealthymatters.org. Next week in the show, we're going to be talking about migraine headaches. So join us then here on 830-WCCO. Temperature, 19 degrees. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.